Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got a good one. We're going to be bringing on another guest this week. We're going to start off by taking a look back at Watkins Glen. It's a post-mortem because it was a little bit ugly. And we'll talk about why and how those bets and that race panned out. Then we'll Talk a little bit about Daytona, get a head start on what our data sets are, some track stats, some strategies, some reminders, heading in to this night race at Daytona. And then we will, at that point, welcome on our guest, Seth from IBT Media. He's a good friend of the podcast, and I believe this is his second time on. And we're going to be talking about um, everything nascar related right now and lead up to some daytona talk who we like who we don't like his strategy going into a super speedway and once again getting back into the full tank face-off we're talking about three head-to-head matchups and we'll put that out there uh, for all to see heading into saturday night so uh, a good episode upon us here and like i said let's start by taking a look back at watkins glenn this was, a, I'll, I'll say it, a disgusting race. This race was disgusting for us on the podcast. So uh, we hit three bets total. I was looking back, we placed 15, so just not good whatsoever. But let's start with the good. It was Chris Busher. He was a top 10. He was still plus money, even on the weekend. And that cashed. It was a, you know, starting outside the top 10. That's probably why we got him at plus money. And that was a good hit. Felt good, feel good, everything about it, we liked. The other bet that we hit was, a, or one of the other bets we hit was a head-to-head matchup. Called it out on the podcast. It was Byron over Hamlin. We really liked Byron from his speed from the Indy Road course coming through the field. We just didn't have the foresight to take him outright. So that was a, a struggle there. I did not think Hamlin was going to bring what he brought to the table. But luckily, by the skin of our teeth, Byron wins and Hamlin comes in second, so we cash that head-to-head matchup. And then on the day of, looking at the practice times and everything, we were kind of, I at least was fading AJ on the podcast, but uh, he over Kyle was the other head-to-head matchup that we cashed. That was out there on Instagram on the full card. And um, those practice times for AJ were phenomenal. He clearly had a good bounce back from Indy Road Course and put it to the test there. Everything else was just brutal. I mean, it was either we were super close or way off. Like, there was no in-between, it felt like. Um, So, as far as super close, another AJ bet. We called out on the podcast Ty Gibbs over AJ Allmendinger. I felt so strongly about this bet. And they were around each other all day, just flip-flopping. And at the end, AJ beats out Gibbs by one spot. I was watching that closer than anything um, on the scoring icon on the uh, on the TV. And at one point, Gibbs was just getting on him. He was like three-tenths of a second away, less than that. It felt like, you know, even though they weren't showing it, you were going to see those names flip-flop. It did not happen. So that sucked. 
We called out a couple guys to win the race on the podcast last week. We talked about how we needed Chase Elliott in some way, shape, or form. They ran out of gas. Uh, I'm going to ask Seth what his thoughts are about that, but just ridiculous to see that happen out of a driver like that, of that caliber, of that team of that caliber. Just super confusing to see that go down the way that it did and essentially just make him even further away from the playoffs. Um, and then we talked a lot about Daniel Suarez, and he was god-awful. Uh, just really brought nothing to the table for us last week after coming off such a strong Indy road course. I mean, Rye called it out better than anyone. Like, he was a, a hose on pit road away from winning that race, and now all of a sudden you go to Watkins Glen and you are bringing a big nothing burger to the table. That was confusing. Talked about Truex a little bit last week, and on uh, the NASCAR betting preview show even, I talked about Truex top five. Well, he finished sixth, so that was a gut punch. Larson, talked about him five to one. He got him a little better price on race day. He had that penalty after he was looking strong. Don't know if he would have had enough for his teammate, but he was definitely a, a strong car throughout the race up until that point, so that was really tough. And... Uh, one guy that kind of fleeced us all together, Corey LaJoy looked great in practice, great in qualifying. He had a great, really good number for the gambler, number for a top 10. He started 10th. So with the thought process of, well, track position means everything, and he was getting like plus 285 or something, I took a shot on that, a little bit of a swing, and it did not pan out. He dropped like a rock for whatever reason. I'm not sure what happened there with the 7 car. And then we threw in a, a Bell, Christopher Bell, top Toyota at plus 425, a little bit of a moonshot there, knowing what we had with Hamlin starting on the pole and Reddick being good on road courses, but Bell made that interesting towards the end, and that almost cashed, uh, and it was the practice times that really stood out to me. He was you know, right there with those other guys, at some points better in practice, so made sense to take a shot on that, and sometimes you take a swing and you miss, and that's what was going on there with the Bell pick, but uh, just so close to being a, a really good day. And then there were some, you know, inexplicable things that went down, you know, like the Elliott thing, like the Larson thing. We had McDowell in a parlay. Uh, that was just craziness. You know, he, he survives a pit road penalty. Then the car just doesn't work for him. Uh, really shitty to see that go down. One positive, I guess you could say, was we threw a, a parlay out there. If you do follow us on Instagram, at Full Tank Phil. We had a three-leg parlay hit for about plus 375, and that was good. All pretty much even matchups and you know worked out for the best there so we'll end the recap with a a negative sandwich right uh we started with the positive ended with the positive and the meat in the middle was all the the stuff that went wrong for us then you look at the race in general i'm gonna definitely bring this up uh with seth around like you know as a fan of the race uh just you know not sure how i feel about the no stage breaks because it really does put all the emphasis on qualifying, and that in itself is uh, making me feel like it's a little bit more F1-ish than anything else, and I don't know if I like that. You know what I mean? So as far as the gambling standpoint, I, if you're on the guys and you hit right on qualifying and you get that value like we had at Indy, you don't mind if it runs green the whole time. But if you're off and you don't have that closing line value going into the race – after practice of qualifying, you're kind of hoping for some chaos to be able to, you know, have your guys move up. And that just didn't happen. They ran green for most of that race. And it was really uh, tough to make up any ground if you were further back. So 
yeah, guys like Bowman, guys like Suarez, you know, what went down there, very strange. Um, Truex, you know, he ends up getting sixth after starting further back, but I, I digress. Some guys that we called out that we liked for top tens and those types of plays just didn't come through for us, and that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So we'll put that in the rear view, you know. The, the race itself got pretty low ratings, I think, uh, on the, the Jeff Gluck poll. And uh, can't say that I disagree. It was definitely one that I wasn't a huge fan of watching it gambling, you know, on the side. Just as a true fan, it was a very fast race. I think it was one of the fastest races from start to finish that we've seen in years. And uh, I don't know. Is that a positive or a negative? I I. I enjoy when NASCAR's on for a while on Sundays and, and Saturday nights. But let's get rid of that, right? We'll, we'll get rid of that. We had our Indy uh, road course, you know, Indy giveth and Watkins Glen taketh away. So now we will transition over to Daytona. And, I mean, this is the regular season finale. How time flies, I just don't understand it. We are already talking about the playoffs in a week from now. But we're not there yet. Super Speedway race, Daytona, night race. It's all the things that I love about NASCAR. I, for one, enjoy betting on Super Speedways. I know that there are folks out there, it's just not their vibe. Totally respect that. But for me, this is, you know, a fun situation that we can have here. The strategy here is not trying to, you know, have a bet that you think you like. All right. You compare it to like maybe a mile and a half track. If you have two side by side bets, both tracks that you're like, man, I I like the advantage I have over this guy at a mile and a half, like Kansas or, or something like that. I would say, yes, go for it. Trust your gut. That's it. You know, throw whatever you want on it. Uh, because you believe in yourself. You believe in the numbers. You can have that same situation here at Daytona. And I'm not going to tell you to throw the mortgage on it because anything could happen that is not your driver's fault. And there's that to some extent, some extent, excuse me, each week. But this is just a whole nother level. So if you're newer to gambling on NASCAR and you find a matchup that you like or a bet that you like in some way, shape or form, you don't want to throw the house on it. You want to be very conservative with what you throw down on a bet, knowing, you know, what could be lurking. The boogeyman could be coming to get you there. Um, so. The strategy is, you know, spend money that you're okay losing, right? You, you figure out what you want to spend before you start throwing bets down. That's my strategy if you're newer to gambling on the sport because you don't want to be in a situation where you're just like not keeping track of anything you're throwing out there. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, like Saturday night, Sunday morning comes around and you're like, what just happened? Um, you want to bet money that you're comfortable losing. And if it comes back to you like a boomerang with more on top, great. You know what I mean? Every uh, race that we come to with Super Speedway, I enjoy it because that's the mentality that I have around it. This is not money that I'm, you know, uncomfortable losing. And and that's really your mindset that you have to go into here. So I enjoy throwing money on outrights. I like looking for guys down the road. I'm going to talk about a specific strategy when I'm in there with Seth uh, about taking some guys further down the odds board. And how to do that, how to get in on a bunch of different guys. I also am not shying away from top tens, not shying away from head to heads. I absolutely love head to heads on super speedways. I think I'm a minority in that case, but that's just how I see it. Now, for Daytona itself, 
the big thing is, you know, what are you looking at in terms of the data set? And I think we've got a good group of things to look off of here in order to steer us in the right direction. Now, I'm looking at the last 10 races at Daytona. That brings us back to 2018. So that's a good sample size, five years worth of races, two races a year at Daytona. I think that's a pretty good amount. So, yeah, last 10 races at Daytona, average finish, driver rating. Now, this is something that, you know, total speed, not really a big thing as we, you know, compare that to some of the other tracks we go to. Like, you just need raw speed. At Daytona, it's not necessarily what I'm looking at. Qualifying, starting position, not necessarily what I'm looking at. Um, so, last 10 at Daytona. But then I think we're in a unique situation here where we can look at the last six super speedway races since the start of the 2022 season. Again, it's a next-gen car. It's when it came into play. And that's three races at Talladega, three races at Daytona. Good, nice, even sample size between the two big tracks. And then if you want to look at something more recently, this season, we've been to Talladega, we've been to Daytona once each. And then the big you know, talking point is Atlanta Super Speedway. I'll throw Atlanta into the conversation for 2023 just because it you know, makes our sample size a little bit bigger. We can kind of keep that in mind. So a lot of different things to pull from here. And of course, we'll use our win the race rankings from win the race.info and our boy Ryan Stevens. Um, so that's all part of what to look for. Let's get into some track stats for Daytona. It's 152 races in the Cup Series lifetime in NASCAR. That's pretty wild. Obviously, this is, you know, the the epicenter of NASCAR. The winner has started on the pole 26 times. So it's a good chunk, good chunk out of 152. But the last time it happened was 2015 and Dale Jr. Starting the top five, it's 50% of the time. So that's more so than you'd expect. And starting inside the top 10, the winner has started there 75% of the time. Outside of the top 20. Only 14 times in the history of Daytona, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. did it in the Daytona 500 just a few months ago in February. So something to be said about that. And uh, then, you know, in addition to that, starting outside the top 20, sixth of the last 10 winners started outside the top 15. So, you know, I know it's not 20, but still outside of the top 15, six of 10 more recent races that's pretty interesting uh stat to look at there manufacturer trends this has been the chevy and ford uh show here toyota has been a complete no show since 2019 that's when hamlin was kind of finishing up that stretch that he had at this racetrack so it's been ford i'd say more so than chevy but uh both of those have been kind of square dancing there together and it's been a while as far as uh amount of races go since Toyota was in victory lane. So will it be this week? I don't know. Well, definitely some Toyota drivers to like, as we'll talk about. So good stuff overall to look at, I think. And if you're on a different type of data set or there's something that stands out to you, let me know at Full Tank Phil on Twitter and Instagram. Get in the conversation here and, and let us know what you think. So with that, we're going to bring on our guest here seth from ibt media he's a, a good friend of the show we're going to talk about how just a year ago we were together live for the daytona uh summer race as we tried to put on the live show there and ended up being a two-day event with the rain out and everything um and it's a year anniversary of that race so i'm happy to talk with seth and the other thing that seth is going to be bringing to the table for us in this episode 
It's draft time for fantasy football fans. That's right. I know a lot of people that are listening to this are getting into their fantasy football talk right now with their friends, probably scheduling their draft. Well, Seth is a great resource for fantasy football information, and I am lucky enough to you know, ask him a bunch of quick-hitting questions at the end of this episode. Drink it from a firing hose for fantasy football talk at the end. So a lot of stuff to get to here with Seth. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show. All right, so now we are honored to have onto the podcast uh, for a, a year anniversary, which we'll touch on in a second. I'll explain what that is uh, from last year's race. We've got Seth from In Between Media joining us, and uh, I feel like Seth. I'm usually on the other side of this, um, so it feels really good to get you on the, the podcast this week. And I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. But how are things? with you this week dude things vibes are high phil vibes are high as we head to daytona some unluckiness in the air at Watkins Glen, but nonetheless man like it's just a pleasure to be sitting here on a tuesday evening falls just around the corner it's getting a little cooler football season's on the way and nascar we're in the fucking thick of it still right so uh we're, we're gonna keep our head on a swivel as we head into this one but excited to be here with you man and like you said kind of a one-year anniversary from the time that we and a lot of other good people in this industry got to link up for the first time i know and you are a high energy guy so a perfect <laughs> type of person to have on for like the regular season finale um but it, it also was great that it worked out because a, a year ago for the daytona night race uh, ended up being a day race. If you remember last year, you were the man in front and behind the camera. Uh, Derek Yoder hosted us up in Lancaster, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. It was ourselves, uh, Chris from the Flag Hunting Pod, the Lane Coin Boys, and uh, it was Mark and, and Rory. And we had an absolute blast that weekend. Um, and you were working your ass off. Uh, just a, a great time, dealt with a lot of adversity, and it was oh, yeah. a good opportunity just to kind of meet everyone kind of for the first time and hang out, but also, you know, talk shop and, and do it on a live show twice. So um, it was great to, to get you to kind of, re you know, rehash that a little bit here uh, before we get going. Yeah, I think anytime you can do a live event in a classic car barn in uh, a town like that, man, out in the Amish country, uh, it's always good vibes. So super excited to to talk about that again. And like, we got to do that again, for sure. That's got to be back on, on the docket for the future as well. We got to head back over to, to Gary's car barn out there. 100%. I would love to. Um, yeah, it was a great time. And that was really, a, I got to see kind of like a crash course or behind the scenes with like, everything that you do. So I, I, before we get into mm-hmm. a lot, just to actually, I should break down the agenda here. We're, we're going to talk with Seth a little bit about how his year's going. And then I've got some um, topical, you know, quick hitters for Seth, you know, a little fantasy action. Actually want to bring up, talk about Watkins Glen. And then we're going to get into Daytona, Seth's strategy, Seth's mindset. Uh, and then for the first time in a long time, uh, we're going to do a full tank face off with some head to head matchups. And then after that, yes. Uh, Seth, you're the perfect person for this time of year, fantasy football around the corner. Like you said, fall is coming and, uh, you're, you're the, the man with the plan there as well. So I want to pick your brain on some fantasy football stuff. Um, just some, you know, crash course for anyone who's trying to gear up for their, um, for their drafts in the next week or so. Um, so like I was saying, you know, in between media, that was really 
I, I got to see you doing the, the setup process and everything behind the scenes. How's it going uh, with in between media? What do you have kind of going on? How's the year been for you guys um, so far from a NASCAR standpoint and otherwise? Dude, Phil, this has been an incredible year. 2023 has been so much fun for in between media. It was our first season doing the back road weekly full time. We always had a passion for NASCAR and it was just like we had to commit to it because we also do, as you mentioned, fancy football. We have a PGA show as well. So it was just like, all right, let's get balls deep in this. Let's go ahead first. And, and it's been awesome. Uh, also, my first season writing for betting pros, doing a weekly article series for them. Also putting my NASCAR best bets out there, there for them. Um, and this was also the first time Ellie and I, my co-host over there on the back road in between media's NASCAR show, uh, we got to cover a race as credential media. So that was cool. Really getting to see the cars, the drivers up close and personal. And as, as far as the betting goes, man, it has been like a tale of, of two seasons for me. We started out so hot to begin the year, hit eight of the 19 first outrights and then just fell apart, yeah. just <laughs> fell apart down the stretch here once chicago hit us it has been nothing but terrible weeks we've gained some money back at some tracks like atlanta pocono by the skin of our teeth but these last four weeks i, I i've been in the red phil and it's very unlike us over there and like last week well, i'm sure we'll talk about it, but snake bin you know i feel like i'm on the fastest car a lot of the times and it just doesn't come to fruition so call me alex bowman Call me William Byron. I'm in a summer slump, but I think Daytona is the right recipe for uh, to break out of that here. Well, yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. You know, it's like a in baseball player. Just you're in your own head, kind of getting out of the, trying to get out of the slump, trying to hit your way out of it. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, first of all, we're in the right kind of community with with everyone because everyone's always trying to lift each other up. Uh, I've felt like at, at times when I just can't you know, pick a, a driver to save my life at some point. It's just like, all right, I, what's everybody else doing? Like, let me, right. Right. You know, and you're going to find people are, are winning somewhere. So um, it's great. Cause it's a small enough community where you can just kind of look around the room, like, okay, who's hot. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but I think these playoff tracks are actually um, good for, for trying to get out of a, a slump as well. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, cause Watkins Glen, as we'll talk about, was not kind to me either. Um, so, so, but great to hear. I mean, that's a great, I, I feel like nine out of the first, would you say 19 first 19? Yeah. That, that's pretty impressive. So that's gotta be building up a little bit of a nest egg for you to have a slump. So that's good. Um, so good stuff there. Just a quick, uh, topic here. Uh, I want your opinion on, since I have a guest on this mm -hmm. week, so I've been getting into some of the topical stuff and, um, Netflix has opened up and said that they are doing a drive to survive type of deal yes. like NASCAR. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like we've been ripping on the F1 fans uh, for, you know, the fact that Netflix has kind of made their sport super interesting, but at the same time, you know, could be pretty cool. Uh, so they're, they're covering the rest of these playoffs. And uh, what are your thoughts? Is that something you would tune into? Well, I think anything Dale Jr. touches turns to gold, Phil. I think that's something to keep in mind. He's kind of like Peyton Manning uh, when Peyton Manning just did the quarterback series. Like, I'm going to trust Peyton and what he's doing over there at Omaha. Same thing with Dale and Dirty Mo and everything they have going on. And this is something we don't get a lot of as NASCAR fans, man. We don't get a lot of access. And, like, I'm excited to see guys like McDowell, Busher, Ross, like guys who a couple years ago were like, am I even going to be in a cup ride? And now they're the talk of the town. So I'm excited to hear from those guys, I think, more than anything. 
But yeah, absolutely excited for this. Uh, you said debuting sometime next year. Is that correct? Yeah. So they're going to be covering like the 2023 championship. Um, so the playoff run, and then it would come out next year, obviously, when they have a chance to edit that up and, and put it out right. So uh, it'll be good to, you know, have something to look at as we're starting to get into the dog days of the season in 2024, I guess. Are, are, how do you feel about it, Phil? Are you excited? You seem a little hesitant. I am hesitant. I, I mean, I kind of feel like a hypocrite because we kind of made fun of, like I said, the, the F1 folks. I know the guys at Garage uh, guys are super, uh, <laughs> you know, hard on the, the F1 folks. But um, to be honest, like I, I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, mm-hmm. USA has done some stuff in the past. There's been a, another channel out there that I can't, it, it's like a fake speed network. Um, okay. Gotcha. It's called Motorhead. I think it's called. And they did something uh, a couple years ago. And every time I watch one of these things, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is great, but like, it's not produced like perfectly. And I'm hoping that mm-hmm. Netflix kind of brings, mm-hmm. like you said, what quarterback brought to the table, what drive survive has um, that element of just perfection in the, the show itself. So we'll see. I I think it could be fun to maybe try to get your friends who aren't NASCAR fans a little bit of a a tool to to get them hooked. So, yeah, uh, and and anything's better than Brittany Mahomes and 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 Marcus Mariota and that whole whole ordeal in Atlanta. So I I think NASCAR is starting out at a pretty good bar. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. It's a good time to to be doing this. So. Another topic that I wanted to throw out there, this is NASCAR related, uh, fantasy NASCAR. So to start the season, a little background here. I haven't talked about this on the podcast very much because of the fact that I'm so superstitious. So to start the year, Seth reached out to a bunch of us. And I know I talk a little bit about the the one and done pool that we have with a lot of the different uh, podcasters for the NASCAR gambling community. But you got a bunch of us into a fan tracks uh, weekly fantasy league. And it was, it's something just like, you know, the daily fantasy stuff where you pick from a salary cap and you you have to pick five or six drivers. I think it's six drivers and uh, keep your guys under a salary cap. You can only start them X amount of times and uh, see what's going on. And I haven't talked about it very much because I have been in the league of that league for a long time. Months and months and um, months. months and months. Yeah. So now I have to talk about it because I am no longer in the lead. Um, and before I get into that, like, how have you been doing? I, I, I find that this fantasy league is definitely fun. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's challenging mm-hmm. as hell mm-hmm. uh, each week because it feels like the salaries are just going up on these guys. I don't know if that's true or if it is actually is like fluctuating, but uh, have you had like a strategy that you've been trying to play to, or, or have you had to adjust in this? Like in case anybody else out there is in a similar situation here coming into the playoffs. Yeah, man, this has been a crazy league and the entire time I've pretty much been chasing you and now I'm not chasing you. I'm chasing my uncle Greg. So, uh, (laughs) I've been sitting in second. I'm about five points back right now. Um, and yes, they're like, I, a lot of the time, if I'm high on someone on my betting card or that I'm playing in DraftKings, they're going to be my fan tracks line, but that's try to try to, who you know, I build around and then it's kind of just putting the pieces together together. Uh, it fluctuates a little bit, you know, on fan tracks. I think they're still dialing in this product. It's really good. I was happy to partner with them this year and, and test it out, test it out a little bit more. Um, but 
it definitely has its kinks and like the salaries are going up is kind of what we're seeing. So you have to get really creative. Like you might have to run a BJ McLeod out there this week. You might have to run out of Josh Berry this week. Like you have to kind of, you know, find those right drivers, but yeah, it's, it's been fun overall. I've tried not to use too much of one driver, Phil, unlike the, the incident you had a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> so this is what happened. And, and if you are in a fan tracks league or anything like it, uh, this is your, your PSA. Um, so yeah, I, I, as far as like fan tracks iterating on it, I have a, a bit of, I have a complaint to lodge. Um, so normally if you have something that's an invalid lineup, they wouldn't let you set that lineup. And I, my hand is up on, on certain things here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't realize, or I didn't know what our limit was for how many times we could start a driver. Okay. So that's number one. Uh, but the, the problem that I ran into was Ty Gibbs uh, for whatever reason. I, I don't know why it was Ty Gibbs. Like ever all drivers that I started too many times, Ty Gibbs, like very strange, but clearly it's been working. Um, and I guess a couple races back, I started him and I, it was over the limit. I don't know if we could start him like nine times and I started him 10 or, or whatever. It's 12, 12 times. 12 the limit. Yeah. So I think you went 13. So it let me start him. I played him, had no, uh, no uh, recollection that I was even in an invalid lineup. Even during the race, I'm checking and I'm accumulating points. It, it like showed me like how I was. I was like, you know, 175 or whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. I didn't even check like how I was after that race. Uh, I was like, I, I'm holding steady. The next week, I missed <laughs> the deadline. So it just takes your lineup from the week before and just replays the guys. And I was like, well, I think my guys are going to fit well in here. Like I have a good comfy lead. I'm not too worried about it. Well, that's another week of an invalid lineup. And during that week, I was looking at it, you know, when the race started, like, okay, collecting, you know, 150, that's serviceable. Um, I'm hanging in there. And then just this past week before Watkins Glen, I'm looking like, how am I in fifth place? This is incorrect. And I just realized I didn't capture any points from the last two weeks. And I was blown away. I thought, um, I thought you got the one week. I, I thought you got the one week. Maybe we'll have to, I'll have to look back. But yeah, I thought it was one week you missed on there. But it, it was it was because that week you didn't set your lineup. And that was kind of like as the commissioner, I felt like I was in a funny place that I probably should have. Like I didn't know wh- where, where to step in. You know, where I, you I think ste- not stepping in was the move. I mean, I have no ill will uh towards the commissioner which is you um it's it's a combination of being boneheaded on my part not understanding that i had him even close to the limit and you know fan tracks not giving you a warning like hey this is yeah uh, this yeah. is illegal so yeah absolutely, was, absolutely that's, that's yeah that is that is the worst when that happens because i mean you're still right in the thick of it. You're still yeah. right in the thick of it after that week, but you did at least, I, you know, lose 150 points on everyone that week. Um, but season long fantasy NASCAR, man, it is a different beast. Like the biggest thing is we're, we're seeing in this league, we have 15 people in it. We have 10 that set their lineups now. And like some of them were out of it pretty early, but some, you know, missed a week or two early on. And then they are kind of out of it. It's like, that's the biggest thing when you get into something like this, it's like, Oh, you got to like strap up and get ready to go for what? 36 weeks. It's like, it's not like a fantasy football league where you're in and out in four months. Totally agree. I mean, it's a battle of attrition in these things. And I was feeling so comfy just saying to myself, like, damn, it's so hard to make up like a hundred and plus <laughs> points. 
because yeah. of what you're saying, like you were gaining five points a week, 10 points a week. It's like, that's not going to get it done. And now I am chasing, who do you say? Your uncle Greg. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm like 75 points back or something. And, and now I'm in the opposite situation where I'm instead of setting it and feeling comfortable, I'm setting it and praying that my guys like have a monster week. Cause I'm going to need a big week here within 11 weeks left. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not out of it. I'm, I'm still focused. And if anything, you know, the scorned player is the one who is the one that's <laughs> fighting the most. So, um, yeah, watch out. Tell you uncle Greg, he's, he's not, he's not a lock for sure. I, I will you, say me, you, Rory, you making this mistake made the league way better because you were up <laughs> by about a hundred points on me and I was up about 50 or so on the next person. And now there's about five of us. You guys know Rory from the podcast, flag hunting Chris as well. So uh, we're all right in the thick of it now. So I'm excited to see how it comes out, Phil. And uh, good luck as you get your revenge tour started. When Yeah, when Thanksgiving rolls around, this thing all comes to a close. Like <laughs> all you guys, you know, I made this fun for all you guys. You can send me like a nice message on Thanksgiving. Like, hey, you know, thanks for a good uh, fantasy league because uh, <laughs> I, I fucked up. A uh, big time mess up there. Uh, but hey, it, it has been fun and super, super challenging as we're now getting into the end where you got guys um, that you want to use and can't. And yes. the bigger drivers are just so overpriced. It's really difficult. I mean, the average price is like $16 or $15. And we've got guys priced at like 28 right now. So uh, it's really a, a challenge. And uh, I find that really fun when we're all kind of bunched up. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see how the year plays out. Now I'll talk about it a little bit more on the pod since there go. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. So or I didn't want to, and clearly now I have. Um, so let's talk Watkins Glen. You mentioned it was a, a bit of a rough one. Also, you know, a, a rough one for me as well. I Before uh, you hopped on, Seth, I kind of broke down the, the way things went wrong mm-hmm. for my bets. Uh, and, and drivers who let me down, but I want to hear from you and, and we'll kind of commiserate together here. What, what went wrong at Watkins Glen for you? Well, I will say I went in pretty light. Like, like I was not feeling very confident after kind of getting torn up by Indy the week before. I just wanted to make it out of the road courses, uh, you know, a little bit positive. We didn't go positive down about a unit and a half um, went heavy on Logano last week. That was kind of my tactic. I saw him at 50 to one outright. I grabbed that early in the week. He was 600 to one for a top five. I should have played the top 10. I didn't play the top 10. That was, I think on me, the the, the better I, I should have gotten down on that. But Michael McDowell, man, that was really what, what kind of cut me up. Um, I laid the juice, man. I laid the juice. He might as well t- take me to a Jamba juice on him. I went top 10 <laughs> minus 160. And also went on the outright of him as well. So that is kind of, that was my fall down. Um, Michael McDowell really fucked me over. And I think I was just a little too high on, on Logano. I placed about six bets. I, I laid the ax, absolute hammer out of Logano over Harvick at, for a couple units. And that was the only thing we really walked away with. So could have been worse, um, but we're, we're licking our wounds. Yeah. The, the McDowell thing. I mean, imagine, if you were me, right. I, I was just trying to have a little fun on Sunday and threw a McDowell top 10 parlayed that with something else, like a, a cross sport. And at that point on Sunday, he was like minus two twenty five or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if anything, this is just like a, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second when we talk about Daytona, but oh. this is just an indictment of the, 
the odds, uh, like minus 225 for a top 10 is ridiculous. And that's exactly the reason why. Like any slip up at a road course like that, and you're really screwed. Um, so to be so overpriced, like minus 250 or whatever, for a lot of those guys uh, was just absurd. And there, of course, it, it backfires. And, you know, really disappointing to see Adam McDowell. I mean, it's from a take the gambling standpoint out of it, like, you know, they're gearing up for a playoff run. You don't need those types of mistakes, or at least you say, like, get them out of the way early. But that's not that's not a team that looks buttoned up. I can tell you that. Well, you know, they're kind of show, showing what, what you're paying for at this point. You know, you're not paying for a Lamborghini and a team. You're paying for a Ford Fuckus here, you know. And I think, like, that's what we're seeing here. Like, he had a very good chance. He should have won two in a row like there, right there. And if he does, like, that sends this team in a different direction, like Chris Buescher highs going into the playoffs. And instead, like, not only did he rally back from a bad pit stop and the, the issue he had driving through too many pit boxes, but also then just have the car blow up like that, whatever the issue was, the CPU. I mean, it it just like it, it just makes it so much worse, you know, because as the better, we're sitting there watching him go back to 18th, 19th. He rallies back up to the top 10. It's like, oh, man, if we get a caution, McDowell might actually have a shot at winning this thing still. No, not even close after that car. So I think that was the most frustrating thing, Phil, is just seeing it be mechanical issues at the end of the day. Yeah, I that. Uh- can't agree with or can't disagree with that. Um, another driver who I think spoiled a lot of people's days, uh, including the governing body, Chase Elliott. Um, what, how, I guess, how can a team make that kind of mistake? I, I don't understand where they went wrong there. Like, this is 2023, we've got data so much data and so science, much da- yes. To- show us like it could almost just be like a computer game at this point it's like go out and do this many laps and how does that happen that screwed me over um not because i had chase to win but i had him in a head-to-head where he was clearing easily parlayed with uh logano over harvick which obviously smashed and i sent that parlay to like a bunch of my buddies which i don't do very often for fear of like fucking them over and of course that happens. Like I was staring at my TV, like what is happening? Like, how is he out of gas? Like what the fuck? So I don't know what to make about the nine car right now. Yeah. I had the top five uh, Caesars boost with him and McDowell. I was hesitant. I laid a half a unit on it. It, it felt good. It felt good at the time. It felt so good. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, this is one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen in NASCAR. And like, I'm we're fans of this. And I think even we know like at, at a smaller track, you're, you're looking to maybe go a lap or two on that reserve. Like I always thought with the reserve, you're going two, three miles. And the fact that, that, that we're hearing through the radio that they thought he could get three laps around six miles, baffling, baffling. I mean, credit to the team for owning up to it and, and the mistakes made, but bad quote bad data you know that that screwed a lot of people over and like it was a great example of why too like i don't care who it is i think in a race maybe other than the championship race you can't be laying three and a half four to run on someone to win especially when we haven't seen it all year i i thought that was a really big trap last week for chase and i wanted a a bite of him i'm lucky it was a small bite 
But I know a lot of people out there who laid that down, man. They are not happy after that, Phil. Agreed. I mean, I, I Rye Kate was on with me last week, and we talked about you needed something on Chase. You needed the Chase kind of insurance policy. Um, because for weeks, for months, I was saying, I, I think when he broke his leg, I was saying, well, he'll win Watkins Glen. Like, yes, that's, same here. You know, yes. and, and, yeah, I mean, as fans, that's just where your, your mind goes. So um, very, you know crazy for it to go down i don't know if they got too cocky or what but to, to have a poor performance in practice and qualifying was also kind of surprising as well for that team so um i mean i guess let's use chase as a way to segue uh because mm-hmm. here's the question i'm going to ask you point blank does chase win daytona now i mean it, it's a must win for every single driver outside of the top 16 um and so if you look at the odds to uh, make the final four like Caesars just put those up this week, chase and Bubba Wallace have the same odds. Um, so I, I find that funny because it's essentially, you know, basically one or the other. And I don't know what to make of it. It feels like I know our, our guy, Mark uh, skybox NASCAR, he's got the tinfoil hat on. He thinks NASCAR is going to make sure chase gets into the playoffs. Especially yeah. With he, oh, he, he laid, he laid it down on chase, man. Oh, he sure did. Uh, if you're in Daytona, look for the giant man with a number nine shaved into his back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you, do you, what do you think? Anything for Chase this week? I mean, he's opening up at like 12 to one, pretty close to the top of the board. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm over on Bet Rivers. He's 11 to one. Uh, pretty much everywhere else, it's 12 to one, 13 to one, I'm seeing. Um, I, I can't lay that on a guy who hasn't won all season. You know, I, I really can't. And I think. That's what, especially at Daytona, where anything can happen. Like, there are better bets to be made if you want to go with a favorite than Chase Elliott at this point. He's the favorite because of the storyline right now. I really think so. Like, like none of the advanced metrics are telling me go bet Chase Elliott. If you're betting with Chase Elliott, it's all heart this year, this week. It's, it's no mind and no statistics at all. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if he wins, I think you are going to have a lot of folks just kind of throwing their hands up in the air like, what the hell? Um, and I'm I'm loosely a fan of Chase. I, I think the nine car with the Napa is like the best looking car in the garage. So if just like, you know, from a fan standpoint, yeah. I enjoy it. Um, but I also think that if you go out snowboarding and you break your leg uh, or you go do something stupid and you're not in the vehicle, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. And yep. I, I feel yep. like it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're the king of the sport like Chase or you're, you know, some schmuck, uh, you shouldn't make the playoffs. So this is uh, that coming to fruition. So for Daytona, putting Chase aside, I want to talk mm-hmm. about you and your betting strategy for a super speedway. I thought it was interesting a year ago when we had our live show, um, everybody kind of had a different take on things right i mm-hmm. i'll get into my stuff but we, we saw like rory was really conservative only took like one or two outrights um we had derek taking a few you know outrights along with some head yes. to heads and stuff and we had uh chris mostly outrights <laughs> yes. but some people would take yes. the top tens um what's your mentality you see super speedway on the calendar talladega daytona what are you doing from a gambling standpoint so this is one of those situations I enjoy watching on it a little bit more than betting it just because it, it, there's going to be some flux here. But 
I love like we haven't seen it. We saw it once this season, but like top 20 odds, if you can find those anywhere, like th- those are fun to do. Um, and like I like taking a long shot in the top 10s uh, usually as well. We don't have any of those as of now, uh, as of this recording. Uh, th- man, these these Caesar odds for top 10, like sometimes it feels like the books don't want us betting. And I this was the, the race last year, Phil, where they got burned on some of these huge parlays for the top 10s. And I think maybe that's why we're seeing this, but it's very disheartening. Uh, like, like super bummer right now. Like that's the only top tens I can find, but there are some guys in that market. I would love to take a shot at, and I just can't find the numbers right now. So I'm trying to stay vigilant, stay on top of it this week. Um, I'll usually take like one of the favorites. If I like someone, if, if the data is telling me that in an outright, um, but outside of that, I'm usually taking one of the longer shot favorites, someone in that 30 to, to 60 range usually as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, totally disheartened by the situation with the top tens. Caesars is what I'm looking at. Their numbers are absurd. If you go to Action Network, they give you the chart, the breakdown of like where you can get the best uh, odds on on certain people for certain markets. And they're showing some pretty decent if, uh, top 10 odds at Bet Rivers. So if you have Bet Rivers, that looks like the, the spot. Um, I don't believe I have access to that uh myself but you know we're seeing some normal numbers uh for top 10 like minus 109 for for ryan blaney like that's fine i I think you know oh they just dropped those wow okay yep yeah so that i think is is more um Mm -hmm. doable whereas caesars has blaney as like minus 235 like get the fuck out of here that's a joke um yeah so yeah for top tens if you're looking to have some fun i I guess bet rivers would be the place to go in in our neck of the woods i will say here phil as well if you're getting ready to pony up on bet rivers get ready to have the soch card get ready to have proof of address get ready to have your like i'm going through this process literally the last couple days trying to get on bet rivers because i've been hearing whispers that this is kind of the new place who that is offering some different markets for nascar i've I've been just searching and searching and searching for something new and so just 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 get ready anyone out there if you're trying to get on bet rivers have the documentation handy i i got my filing cabinet sitting here for after the show to literally start digging through some shit and get it in (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's good to know um so I guess you touched on, you said you'd take like one favorite. We're going to start talking about drivers in a second, but then do you like to dip down into, you know, just taking some long shots um, on outrights in addition to that and just like sprinkle? Cause I have one concept yeah. that I'm going to throw throw your way here. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think you have to, I, I, like there are some really good super speedway racers who sit down in this 25, 30, sometimes 40 and 50 to one odds that you have to, I think at least like, it doesn't have to be a lot, but like a, a little goes a long way with these guys. So I, I'm always, I mean, I'm, I'm the type of sicko who bets Harrison Burton hundred to one at Talladega and shit earlier this year. Like, like, th- like that's my cup of tea. So yeah, I absolutely believe you should be sprinkling a little bit down, down below. Okay. So let me, let me hit you with, with something that I like to do. And first and foremost, I'll say, I, I might've said this before you came on, but I'll say it again. Like this is a race where you're not trying to like make your mortgage. Uh, money <laughs> no. All right. This is a race where you need to bet responsibly big time. Cause you can yes. definitely get sucked in. And this is more of a fun race to bet. It's not a race 
like Kansas or a more predictable track where you can actually like feel confident throwing some money down. Auto that club, gonna, yeah. You know, yeah, like those types of things. This is simply, you know, kiss the money goodbye. You need to put the money down and be happy that it's not with you. And then if it comes back, great. You know, that's my mentality for these things. It's not, you know, some of our friends who do this for a living can't imagine betting on this race. Um, if this is what you did for a living for pro gambler. So that's the, the warning here. But I will say, piggybacking off what you just were talking about, one thing that I have done in the past, and I'm definitely going to be doing it this weekend, is I, I just call it the unit. And I, I take whatever your unit is, right? doesn't matter. You take one-tenth of that and throw it on guys from 20 to 1 and beyond. So for me, I'm just picking 10 guys that are down the list because at, if any of those guys hit, you're at wow. least bare minimum okay. doubling your, your money. Right. Um, so you throw a 10th on somebody that's 20 to one. Uh, so Bubba Wallace at MGM, he's 20 to one. That's pretty solid. So you get Bubba. I'm just throwing guys out here right now. Bubba, uh, Sindrick, Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain, Austin Dillon, you know, Ricky Stenthouse, Gibbs, McDowell, like mm-hmm. all of these guys are going to be in my unit and maybe I'll, I'll put something out there uh, later with like a visual of like what I actually uh, put together. But those guys, I mean, we're talking 30 to one, 35 to one, you know, Eric Jones, 35. Uh, you get that clump and it's just almost one third of the field pretty much. So it's a way that I like to play it as a way to have some fun um, and keeps you a lot more skin in the game. So when they have these wrecks, you know, you kind yeah. of see like, okay, yeah. you're still alive. Um, and, you know, Go about it a, a little bit different way, but you got to be smart about, you know, where, what odds you're starting at if you're going to play that. So um, is that something that you would ever flirt with or is that like just too silly for you? I think I could get down on it. I, I honestly like I love on the back row. We make sure every single week in our tiers, we talk about every single driver. So BJ McLeod, we give him some love. We like to give Ty Dillon a little bit of love. I know you're you're a Ty Dillon guy as well. Um, so like, yes, I, I would definitely consider that. My thing is like I really gotta think about unit allocation here because I I am an unlucky son of a bitch. So if I <laughs> if it comes down to, to luck and I'm on one third of the field, I guess that one third is probably not winning. Like honestly, so but you're 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 intriguing me a little bit here. You're intriguing me to at least try it. Uh, I don't know if I could do it with a full unit, but maybe a half a unit throw her down so I, I like the concept though phil it's definitely from an entertainment perspective and a fun as a fan that kind of brings that a little bit because because you're going to be sweating out it most likely no matter what at the end yeah that's that's what it's about for me this week is is entertainment first and you know winning money yeah. in addition um because it, it really you know keeps you engaged and um if you were to hit one of those then you're, you're feeling pretty good. So, you know, double your unit, triple your unit, whatever, quadruple, whoever ends up winning. You just need one of the, you know, longer shot guys to win. And that's the fun of the super speedways, right? Anybody can win. That's the the mantra. Um, so let's start talking about, you know, I, I listed off some names there that I'm mm-hmm. not just throwing out there for the hell of it. I, I think some of those guys are people that we might end up talking about here, but um what what's a, a driver we're going to get into some head-to-heads here in a second we'll, we'll yeah. talk head-to-heads which i love 
Mm-hmm. Actually, I might be the only guy out there that loves head-to-heads on super speedways. Everybody on the NASCAR betting preview show we talk about, like no one seems to like it. I love them. Uh, so we're going to do that in a bit. But what are some, you know, any names that you're looking at for maybe it's an outright, maybe it's a top 10. Who, who are you looking at this week? Yeah, so seeing now that we have some top 10, top 10 odds that actually look approachable, Eric Jones right now over on Bet Rivers. I, I like him first 33 to 1 uh, outright. And then now looking at these top 10 odds, I think you can get down on him. Uh, not a terrible price tag. I would like it to be a little bit better, but plus 195 over there as well for a top 10. And look, man, Eric Jones has been really, really good on these larger tracks this season. Looking at the super speedways, let's just take his finishes here. Wrecked out of Daytona. However, in that that race, number two in the total speed rankings for my fantasy race, 10th in green flag speed, 5th by mid-race, 12th in pass differential. And when when you look at the other tracks as well here, Phil, 8th at Atlanta, 6th at Talladega, Atlanta 2, 11th. And then I know they're not true super speedways, but I do like to take into account a little bit Pocono and Michigan um, and Auto Club, some of these bigger tracks a little bit. 19th at Auto Club, not his best running, but Pocono 9th, Michigan 10th. Like, this is where Eric Jones thrives. And, like, it's all it's all or nothing here, man. We, we got to talk to him after Pocono on Pitt Road. Uh, and, and he knew, like, they've been kind of a 20th, 25th place car. They worked their way up to top 10, and now they need to kind of see that next level of speed. You go back just a couple weeks ago as well. I thought when we were in Michigan, man, that was the best Eric Jones has maybe looked all season. So I think he can put it together here, Phil. Um, I'll be approaching him in a couple different markets, possibly including the uh, the matchups as well. Yeah, I, I'd like Eric Jones a lot this week too. So to mark that as a, you know, uh, ring that bell um, here for both of us. I mean, I had him written down. He was plus 130 on Caesars as a top 10. And I, I was saying that that is fine. Um, but now mm-hmm. that some of maybe these other top 10 lines are coming out and just to reiterate, I mean, I, you mentioned, you know, some of those other tracks you're looking at, I, I, that's an interesting approach to it. I, I haven't been digging into those, but looking at the last super speedways, um, you know, since 2022, the four or the two big tracks, you know, six races in that set, he's 10th in average finish. He's got three top tens out of six races and his driver rating in that time is second out of everyone wow. in NASCAR. So that's wow. telling you, you know, he's really loving the super speedways. And I think the rebuttal is, well, this year he sucks. And my response to you would be true. Uh, he hasn't been what he was in 2022. That's a fact, but you mentioned how he caught fire a little bit, uh, a little bit of momentum there at Michigan. And when I'm looking at 2023, I'm also begrudgingly throwing in the, the two Atlanta races um, just to give us a little bit more of a sample size than the two big tracks. And if you're looking at those four races together, he did finish 37th at Daytona, like you mentioned, but he still manages 15.5 average finish. That's 13th in NASCAR with two top tens and three wow. top 11s. Yeah. So he will put you in the ball game. So I, I like the Eric Jones pick there for a top 10 and, you know, if you can get him in a matchup. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to shout out quickly before we get into the matchups here as well. One of the favorites, and I'm sure I, I bet you might be on him as well, is Brad Keselowski. I think we have to keep betting him right now. I've been cool on him last couple weeks here. Uh, Busher really ramped up, and I think now might be the time for one of these RFK guys to do it. And why not Brad, man? Like strong at Daytona, Phil, when you look at the numbers, started 10th, first by mid-race, ran 81.1% of his laps in the top 15. That's the fourth most here as well. Um, 
105.2 driver rating, second best behind Busher. So I think you need to be investing some way in RFK. I don't know if you if you don't like the outright here, um, but look at all the other tracks as well. Phil, when, when we're talking Atlanta one, Atlanta two, Dega average finish of four point three for Brad. So he he's going to get you up there. It's just a matter of can he get past this bad luck and get the monkey off his back. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's locked into the, the playoffs actually is probably this is yes. going to be a freeing race for that yes. six car. He's going to be just doing his thing. And you're right. Um, so I, I think investing in Brad in some way, shape, or form, you know, maybe a, a top five or something like that in case it doesn't go his way. Um, I, I could be interested in that. I didn't have him written down. I have him in a, a certain way that I'm going to throw mm-hmm. out there to you in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, sticking – with guys towards the top of the board, the guy I have written down is Ryan Blaney. And to me, this is, this is, I don't know. This is a guy that I feel like is a a no brainer here. uh, Because when we're talking about super speedways, you need consistency. If you can get it right. If you're looking at like every week on the pot, I I call out like, you know, top 10 and average finish, top 10 driver rating, a top 10 average finish number in the last 10 races at Daytona is 17.3. Okay. So, like, if you can finish yeah. well, that's saying something. And Ryan Blaney, you know, looking at his last 10 at Daytona, the first five races in that data set is, you know, garbage. But it tells me that he's learned because since then he's been lights out. Yeah, uh, He's got four straight top 15s, three top 10s in that time span. Since 2022 on super speedways, his average finish is 7.0. Okay. Third. I mean, that's first in NASCAR. Third in NASCAR is 13.3. Almost double that. So he is very consistent on these racetracks. Uh, three top fives in the last six super speedway races. Uh, and in 2023, he's four for four, finishing in the top 10 on the Taldega, Daytona, and the two Atlanta races. So again, super consistent. Nobody else in NASCAR has four for four in top 10s. Um, he's plus 160 to finish in the top five, if you don't think he can get it done because he has been snake bit, kind of like Brad. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we need something on Blaney as well. 12 to one. I feel like I'm comfortable with that. I, we've seen him as low as 10 uh, in the past this year on these tracks. So he's also going up against Logano who, you know, that, that could be a little scary because Logano just like Blaney. I mean, Penske brings yeah. it, but yep. uh, yep. Logano just hasn't been as consistent. I'm not going to use Logano, uh, Blaney over Logano in our, in our uh, face off here, but I probably could be convinced to throw down Blaney over Logano just because of Logano's inconsistencies compared to uh, Blaney's, you know, really strong run. So um, any thoughts on Blaney one way or the other? Honestly, Blaney is someone this season. I feel like I have not bet a lot of just, I think he he was kind of slow to start off the season, but, but everything you're saying is very true. And I was kind of digging more into some of the advanced metrics here. And I mean, you're absolutely right, Phil. Just looking at the last seven races since 2020, Ryan Blaney, five top tens in, in seven runs, man. Like, like that is as good as you can really do at Daytona in my book. So, yeah, I, I don't mind him at all. I think he was eighth here in the 500 this season. And we know what this guy can do on super speedways. I, I don't think he's won Daytona yet, but he has won other super speedways pretty consistently. So he'll be there in the end if he can dodge the big one. So, um, you're talking me into it, honestly. I, I'm thinking of other ways to maybe get invested as well and potentially some matchups. I, I don't love the straight up against Logano just because I, I, I like all the Fords. I like all the Penske's yeah. boys this, this week. But if I can get him maybe against a Chevy or Toyota, I would be very excited to do so. Yeah, and I do want to 
get us to the the matchups here in a second, but I just want to say, you know, Ford is something that I'm looking at. Plus 130 is the best I've seen so far this week on Ford as a camp. Yes. And in, in that case, you get Brad, you get Blaney, you get Logano. But looking at it, six of the top seven drivers in super speedway driver rating so far this year, that's including Atlanta, are four drivers. Six of seven. Wow. And then, you know, wow. if you're looking at the Ryan Stevens win the race.info, five of the top 10 drivers in his rankings this week are four drivers. I mean, it's the usual suspects. Um, and these are that's not including, you know, folks like uh, Busher and, and folks yes. like Cindric and, you know, these guys who are further down. So um, I, I think Ford as a camp is something that is worth throwing a little bit of money down on. So uh, that would incorporate yeah. both goes both guys we talked about there. Um, so I want to get to some fantasy football talk. I, I need to pick your brain on some things. So let's get to the head-to-head matchups. And for the face-off, we haven't done one in a while. So I can't remember if I've won or lost this year, last time we did this. But um, I always let the guests choose. We'll do a best of three. Do you want to go twice or do you want to go once? I'll go twice. Twice. Then start us off. Who's the matchup you're going with and, and who are you taking? All right, we're taking a fun one here. And this is a driver I usually back, but I'm going to give you a Harrison Burton. No. Against Michael McDowell, minus 125 on Caesars. And listen, I am a sucker. I already mentioned him. I love betting Harrison Burton for some weird shit. However, like McDowell just beats him in every single statistic here. Percent of laps in the top 15. Average position. Mid-race for the 500. Driver rating. Burton gets wily as a son of a bitch on this track. Like, I think Burton's getting a lot better as a driver, so maybe he can prove me wrong here. Um, but McDowell's a 25% top 10 rate here. Burton's best finish ever is 19th. Every time he gets out to the front on a super speedway, the dude loses it. So I just I just think the bad juju's gone for McDowell. Burton, if he gets out front, is going to get squirrely. So I'm sorry. I know that's what you wanted, Phil, uh, but I'm going to put you with him. Hey. To be honest, great pick uh, here for our game here, the, the face-off, um, because Harrison Burton, let, let's just say I'm going to be stuck with him, and if I win this head-to-head matchup in, our, in the face-off, it's by luck or, or something like act yeah. of God. Uh, but I'm going to say right now, like if you're listening to this podcast, that's a pick. that You have to take McDowell over Burton. Burton is pure, unadulterated trash on super speedways and trust me if you do take mcdowell over burton there will be a moment in the race where you're like what the hell did i do because like you said he'll be up front he can't finish these races i I mean four of the last six races on super speedways since 2022 30th or worse for harrison burton his best finish is like 19th like yeah it's just this is not even a question and we're talking about a driver who is in the playoffs who's good on super speedways in mcdowell and can just go out and kind of run free go out he's won the daytona 500 in the past as we all know so great pick um gotta fade sometimes as i'm about to talk about you need to find the guys to fade more so than who to take yeah and i think you did that perfectly just now so great pick i'm not happy um, but Hey, that's, that's the, the reason you go twice, I guess you get to do that. Um, all right, I'll go next. And the driver that I'm fading is Tyler Reddick. 
Um, just kind of going through the list here, trying to find people to good fade. Burton, I, I, Pitt, yeah, you know who I'm taking against them. Tell me, give me a Bubba I, Wallace, um, who I yeah. think has a legitimate chance to win this race. Every, every time we're on a super speedway, he is uh, very attractive as far as the odds, twenty to one this week uh, at MGM. And you're going up against Tyler Reddick. So this is minus 120 for Bubba uh, in this matchup. And when I was looking for somebody to fade, Reddick and Burton both kind of jumped out to me at the same time. Eight career starts at Daytona for Reddick, and he's got two top 20s. His average finish is 24.1. That's gross. Uh, Over the last two seasons, it's been more of the same. He's got two top 20s in the last six Super Speedway races, a 26.0 average finish, and his driver rating is 60.0. Seven. I know that numbers are a little lower on the super speedways, but that is just not even worth getting up in the morning um, if you're Tyler Reddick. So looking at Bubba Wallace, six races on super speedways since 22, five of the six races he's finished inside the top 20. Again, wow. we're kind of lowering the bar a little bit mm-hmm. for a top 20, but it's much better than what we've seen from Tyler Reddick. It's a 15.7 average finish. That's seventh in NASCAR. His driver rating is also seventh in that time span. This season, Head-to-head, 1-1 split on uh, the two big tracks. Bubba finished 39th at Daytona. What are you going to do? Sometimes that happens. That's why, you know, these tracks are uh, fun to watch. But the fact is, Bubba has a chance to, you know, win this race at some really good odds. And I don't trust Tyler Reddick on the super speedways. You know, if he wasn't getting it done when he was in a Chevy in RCR engines, I don't know how he's going to do it. Uh, when he's in lesser equipment, I'm saying that in air quotes on super speedways. Bubba's been, you know, riding there for un, you know, a little bit more time. He understands what that's going to give him. And win the race.info, I mentioned that site earlier. His rankings this is a 16 spot discrepancy. That is a huge yeah. difference uh, from when you're looking at head to head matchups. So I'm going with Bubba over Reddick in this one. So how do you feel getting stuck with Tyler? If there's anyone I want to back this weekend, it is not Tyler Reddick, man. He is, in, in in general, man, he's a terrible driver to bet most weeks, honestly. Like, his variance is so high. He doesn't get the finishes he deserves. And on a track like Daytona, where anything can happen, he's usually the one left with the short end and the stick. So, yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful uh, matchup for you to take the end on Bubba. And I, I'm interested maybe even in playing that myself now. Just... I don't believe in Bubba. I don't think as strongly as you do. I don't think he can win this race. Just he's also getting a little squirrely out there when he gets the lead in this thing. But uh, top twenty, top fifteen, I think he can do it. And and like you said, I think Reddick's going to be towards the back of the pack. So good, good, good call on you, Phil. I appreciate it. So bring us home. Who is rounding out this full tank faceoff? Yeah. So I had a couple on the list here, but I'm going to go. I'm going to take Chris Busher over Kyle Busch. This is uh, minus 105 for Busher on DraftKings versus Kyle Busch, minus 125. And Chris Busher, one of four drivers to finish in the top 15 at Dega and Daytona. Only driver to go two for two with a top five on both of those super speedways this season. Number one in driver rating at the 500. Number four in the total speed rankings from iFantasy Race as well. This is a guy who also let, uh, ran in the top 15 85% of the time. That was second best to Cindric. Busher's going to be out front, man. He, he's going to be in that top 15, top 10. Kyle Bush, like, he's someone I'm not necessarily fading this week, but like, he doesn't jump off the page. All those advanced metrics, like, just very middle of the pack 17th total speed ranking, driver rating, 
63%. Top 10 laps in the top t- top 15, 53%. Like nothing kind of jumps off, off the page for Kyle Busch. And I, I really like Busher this week and RFK in general. So I'm going to go ahead and back the Ford camp. And I just don't like, I know Kyle Busch has won some surprising races this season. I just don't think this is one of them, Phil. Hey, I'll, I'll give you this. I think this matchup is going to be the deciding factor. Um, and I understand why you take Busher. He definitely jumps out to you um, for all the reasons that you said. I mean, he, he's run great at Daytona. He leads laps. Um, so it's, it's a good pick. I don't hate getting stuck with Kyle Busch here. I actually have him written down against Kyle Larson um, in the Battle of the, Car- uh, Battle of the Kyles. Now, I didn't do my research against Busher. Uh, probably for a reason. I, I probably didn't like that. But uh, to make the case for Kyle here quickly, in the last six super speedway races, uh, Kyle Lars, excuse me, Kyle Bush, he, he's 10th in uh, driver rating, 89.0. Last six super speedway races, his average finish is 9.8. That's second. And that's including some Toyota starts last year, which is surprising. He's got one win, two top fives, four for six finishing in the top 10 in super speedways. He won Talladega this year. So he's hopping into that eight car and clearly doing something with it that Reddick couldn't. Um, so I don't hate it. I mean, it, you know, 66% hit rate for a top 10. You tell me that somebody's in the top 10 in the matchup. I'm going to say he's probably going to win that matchup. Um, so I think this is going to be a slobber knocker. Right? This is going to be good <laughs> uh, finishing head to head to see how this one rounds out. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's a bad point at all on Kyle Busch. I could have stuck you with Corey LaJoy versus Eric Jones. I know, I was looking at I, it too. <laughs> that was one I, I I was also interested in, but I actually like Busher a little bit more here. I'm, I'm really high on Busher this week. So, uh, But yeah, Kyle Busch, man, he, he's always willing to mix it up a little bit. So don't mind that at all. Best of luck to you, Phil. You too. So I'll put the graphic out there, the tail of the tape, but just to recap it here. Um, so Seth is taking Busher, and I have Kyle Busch. I'm taking Bubba Wallace and giving Seth Reddick. And then Seth, to start, took McDowell and giving me Harrison Burton, which is Let's absolutely go, baby. disgusting. So, um, yeah, talked about a good amount of drivers here um, in a short amount of time. So let's, you know, transfer over to some fantasy football talk because you have another show you're getting to um, tonight, and I don't want to make you late. Uh, but you are – Someone that I think I trust, uh, especially after talking with you last week or last year, rather. My God, that's how time flies. <laughs> last year at the bar, you know, we were kind of all getting amped up with fantasy football and you had some good takes on on certain um, players that um, panned out. So I, I just want to get, you know, for anyone listening and kind of a 10 minute rundown of like what to do in their draft this year. I want to start with the top of the board. Mm-hmm. Um Last year, it felt like it was a pretty much obvious pick. And um, Jonathan Taylor, if you had like the first pick, yeah, and we're going to talk about him in a second if we have time. But uh, you know, first overall, you know, who who do you, who's the the couple guys up front that like should go? Because I feel like I'm looking at him like uh, I don't know, like that, there's no like obvious guy, right? Am I wrong? No, you're 100 right. There's a lot of variance at the top of the board this year. Every year, it's usually a running back creeps his way up there. Whoever was the RB one from the year before. However, we're in a really fun place now where Justin Jefferson is the consensus number one on most platforms right now. 
I love Justin Jefferson. I, I've been high on the guy since his rookie year. I, I watched the uh, the draft, my uncle, and I said, "Man, Howie Roseman's g- gonna you know eat a dick on t- taking Jalen Rager <laughs> over Justin Jefferson." Right. And ever since that moment, I've been a huge fan of the kid. And last year, like I, I had the fourth or fifth pick in a lot of drafts, and I got JJ everywhere. I think he's the consensus 101. CMC right behind him, though, man. Like, I think he's put the injuries behind him. We can't predict injuries in fantasy football. If Christian McCaffrey is out there and healthy, he's going to be the RB1 or 2. Austin Eckler, to me, right behind him as well. Guy's a touchdown scoring machine. He loves the fantasy football community. He actually has a show um, with Yahoo as well. So, like, the dude wants to perform for fantasy teams, so that's that's really good. Uh, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. I think there's a lot of variance with those two guys. You can pick who you like. Um, I think Hill is a little bit more of a, a floor, but Jamar Chase, electric offense over there as well. Um, some other names just kind of in this first round to keep in mind. Travis Kelsey. I, I know people hate going tight end early, but but he is a weapon, Phil. He's a weapon to have for your team. He's going to be electric when he's out there. And then the rookie, Bijan Robinson, definitely up there he i am right now in my redraft ranking seven overall seven overall because bj bijan is somebody that i had written down to to bring up to you i mean a rookie running back when i think of the atlanta falcons i think of zero offensive line and i mean am i wrong to think that or did they try to restock and and give bijan something to to run behind they have restocked on their defense and in the trenches on both sides phil i'm excited to see what they can do here and when you're looking at, I know it's scary to draft an unknown commodity in fantasy football. However, look at all the, the running backs who have first round capital over the last five or six years. Zeke, he was a, he was the RB3 overall his rookie year. Najee Harris just a couple years ago was the RB3 overall. Young running backs, Brees Hall was on his way to be a top five running back if he did not get hurt. Like you want to draft youth, especially at the running back position, especially so. I, I'm not worried about it, man. I'm not worried about it. I, I think Arthur Smith, he loves to pound the rock more than anyone else, had one of the heaviest run run, run calling team, like almost laughable how much they ran the ball last season. And now they have arguably one of the best running backs, N- not just who can run it, but can catch it as well. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on Bijan where he's going. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you kind of sold me if I'm in that um, ballpark. I mean, it's all about where you're drafting, you know, to see who is going to fall to you. But um yeah, you kind of sold me if he's on the board on a, you know, outside of the first round. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm drafting fourth in, in one league I am uh, super into, and I don't think – I think the fourth would be a, re- a reach, but if some of these guys uh, let him slip, then I'll, I'll snatch him up. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, at what point do you take a shot on him? Like, do you make the assumption that he's going to go to a team that is an actual contender and, and he can play or, or what? Oh man, it's so hard to predict. What well, like like worst case scenarios? He's sitting out for the year, and we just don't see Jonathan Taylor. Like we have to. That is a possibility. Le'Veon Bell showed us years ago that is a possibility. And this is a weird fucking circumstances. Like Jim Irsay's out there trying to put the shield on his heart and like repping the owners in the whole running back debate. Jonathan Taylor gets a new agent all of a sudden, wants a new contract when he was cool with it a couple months ago. So really, really weird situation. I'm probably taking the shot in like maybe maybe the third round. Like if I'm in a 12 team league, mid to third round, I think is where I take the shot on him. He's just he's too he's too talented. Okay, yeah, I mean I think that 
makes sense. I mean, the the overall rankings that I have pulled up right now has him going off as like 17th, which would be I think it'd be know, a little too early. early for me, right? I I will say this before all this trouble came out like a month ago, I had him overall eight. Like I love I was higher yeah. on, than consensus on JT this year. I love what him and Anthony Richardson can do in the Shane Steichen offense. Miles Sanders had 12 touchdowns last year, over a thousand yards. JT is a much better running back. It's just, I mean, this is a different JT's proven to be a different guy. So it, it, it's, it's sketchy, man. It is sketchy. It's how, how much do you want to risk it for the biscuit here? I like it. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, to, to wait on them um, and get them later. You mentioned a guy a second ago, and this is going to, kind of segue into a question I have about, you know, guys that maybe further down the road, obviously this isn't necessarily a sleeper, but somebody who is projected to be, um, you know, 40th ish on the rankings that I'm looking at, that seems a little low Brees hall. Uh, is it the injury that's, that's hurting um, his draft rankings right now? I mean, how do you have him capped this year? Yeah. So I am taking, I am high on Brees hall. I was high on Brees hall. Before the Dalvin Cook signing, I am high on Brees Hall after the Dalvin Cook signing. I think that is what is scaring people more than anything. I think he'll be out there in a lot of fourth rounds of redrafts in, in home leagues and office leagues, whatever kind of leagues you guys are doing this year. And listen, I, I don't care that Dalvin Cook's there. Brees Hall did what he did last season on a lot of the time, 50, 60% of the snaps. It's going to be a slow start. I think you need to handicap yourself and know that. Um you might not want to roll him out week one. That might be something you have to consider, or at least just maybe draft Alvin later, have another running back that you can plug into that RB two slot in, in week one. But the upside for Brees Hall is still as high as they get. He could still be a top five running back in fantasy football. So with Aaron Rodgers there, you have to respect the pass now. So Brees Hall is going to be a fucking weapon out there, Phil. So I'm still all in. Um, actually considering it for one of my all-in selections as well. Wow, that's impressive. And, and yeah, I mean, I remember you talking about him last year. In yes, person, sir, Frisky uh, Jets, baby. That's right. Um, we got T-shirts now for, for the Frisky Jets. <laughs> <laughs> so who's this year's Brees Hall? Like somebody who is definitely off the, the radar uh, of folks, you know, needs to, you know, make a name uh somebody you could scoop up late whether it's like a handcuff type of situation yeah. whether it's somebody who's a rookie or, or a, a receiver who looks good he's kind of deep down the roster like who's somebody later in the rounds to focus on yeah so a couple of sleepers for me staying with the jets first alan lazard on the jets he is aaron Rodgers, one of his best friends and when you look what he did last time with nathaniel hackett offensive coordinator for the jets he had over six touchdowns and a very limited target consumption. So I think Lazard is a sleeper in the double digit rounds. Also, I'm looking back at the Colts where Jonathan Taylor might not be. Anthony Richardson is going to be a weapon, whether or not he is there. Shane Steichen knows how to use a rushing quarterback right now. Like all off season, I've been, I've been playing a lot of best balls, a lot of dynasty startups. So I'm used to paying up for Anthony Richardson like on ESPN leagues right now, he's QB 18. Like that is a steal for a guy who could be a quarterback one. Again, a little bit of patience. This guy's a little bit of raw coming out of Florida. However, also had the highest relative athletic score ever seen at the combine and is behind what should be an improved Colts offensive line as well. His wide receiver, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Best part of Anthony Richardson's arm right now is his deep ball. Alec Pierce is a deep ball weapon. Consider him. Um, throw a couple out there that you might be fond of here, Phil. Kenneth Gainwell, 
this is guy is going to lead the Philadelphia Eagles backfield is what it looks like, what preseason is telling us right now. I'm about to make a case for him on the podcast in just a little bit. And it's going to be a committee. We're going to see some Penny. We're going to see some Swift, of course. However, Gainwell is a guy who produced during last postseason, really helped him hammer home the Giants in that, that, that week two game there. So I think Kenneth Gainwell is an extreme value, Phil. And then I don't know if you know about Isaiah Hodgins at all, but I'm in, in, interested. I think the Giants are going to be much better at passing it. Um, I, I think they honestly could make a, a little bit of a push. I don't think they'll win the NFC East, but I think they could make a push there. I think Isaiah Hodgins is going to be a big part of it after getting re-signed by the Giants. So that's kind of where I'm standing. Um, any thoughts, questions on that, Phil? No, I mean, that's drinking from the fire hose for sure. Um, the fact that you're able to just rip off those names like that is is super impressive. And um, I guess, you know, I, I need to do a little bit more research because Hodges is not somebody that I even know who okay. that is. Um, okay, okay. So that's why I'm having you on and, and talking with about it. So uh, it's great stuff to, to be able to rip and run. And your, your point about Richardson is phenomenal. Um, to get him late. Now you've sold me on him if I could get him as like a backup quarterback and, and store him on the bench um, for later because the fact, like you said, the coach knows how to use a running quarterback. He's raw. Let him come into it. Um, good stuff. Good stuff there. Now uh, I'm getting you out of here in a second. I'm going to let you plug IBT and, and where to interact with you on this stuff as the uh, drafts are coming up. But uh, I, a burning question. How soon is too soon to take a quarterback, Mahomes? I mean, because everybody online talks about how you need to wait till like the third round or whatever. Mm -hmm. And every mm -hmm. league that I play in, everyone takes them in the first round. So I don't know where the disconnect is between like the pro fantasy guys and like what happens in reality. But like, I feel like, and the guy who ends up taking them is like a cast team. So, uh, you know, where do you yeah. take quarterbacks? Man, so this has changed a lot in the last year in a lot of professional leagues with analysts and one quarterback leagues you weren't seeing them go till sixth, seventh round sometimes, even the best of the best. However, last season, there was such a disparity if you didn't have a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes that your team was really scrambling. I, I was one of them, man. I, I, even I had some Band-Aids. I had the Daniel Joneses and the Geno Smiths of the world who got me by. But now, like, you can honestly legitimately make a case end of the second round in some drafts for these guys I think it's those top three. I think it's the Mahomes, it's the Allens, the Hurts of the world. But in the second round, if you're in a 12-team league, I think you can consider it. I was even sitting in a 10-team recently, and I didn't take Hurts coming back and or going out, and I, I thought I could maybe get him coming back, and I didn't. And I, I had never done that, and I felt bad to almost consider it because it, it like late-round QB is a great strategy because there are guys like A-Rich and Geno and Aaron Rodgers that you can wait and sit on. However, if you don't have a top quarterback, like the chances of you trading for one even are really, really tough. So that's like they're much more appealing than they were in previous seasons. So um, I wouldn't blame you, Phil, if you wanted to take one in the second round. First, still too early for me in the first yeah. round. Um, but I, I know, man, those Chiefs, Chiefs of Holic out there, you know, people are robbing banks to see this team. I mean, people fucking love, love Patrick Mahomes and the boys. So uh, I don't blame them one bit. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better uh, if I do end up taking a, a reach on one of these uh, top QBs. So, Seth, I appreciate all the info you threw at us tonight. You're very versatile um, in everything that you can talk about, switching from NASCAR to fantasy. I mean, I'm sure if we pulled anything else out, you'd be able to talk through it. So, 
where can folks interact with you at you know ibt and and reach out to you specifically yeah first of all i want to shout out the full tank with phil audience i actually was walking around pocono someone recognized the logo said they heard about my show from your show so appreciate you know (laughs) you got some loyal listeners out there you do a great job phil uh always good to chop it up with you and hang out we'll definitely get you on the back road uh sometime before the season ends but you guys can find us on YouTube. That's the easiest way to support us. Subscribe to the channel at IVT underscore media. I'm at between underscore Seth FF on Twitter as well. We have a website. We have articles, columns, blogs coming out daily as well. So in between media.com, if you want to check that out, but easiest way to support anyone in this industry, just, you know, hang around, be supportive. Don't be a fucking troll and uh, have fun with it, man. That's why we're here is to, Yes, we, we love to make money, but having fun with, with, with the friends at the end of the day and everyone having a little sweat is always a good time, Phil. That's right. You, you've said it best. I can't say it any better than that. So, uh, Seth, really appreciate you coming on and um, dropping all this knowledge on us this week. And good luck at Daytona and good luck gearing up for your fantasy football season, my friend. Appreciate it, Phil. You too, man. Well, that's going to do it for the final episode of the regular season for the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Seth from IBT Media. It's great to hear his take on everything Daytona and fantasy football draft prep. Remember, drive fast, take chances, bet safely this weekend, and I'll see you to kick off the playoffs next week. Place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go.